Hi, welcome or welcome back. This is the Harmonic Fuckery Podcast and I'm your host, Rachel Napero. And today I want to talk about something a little different. I mean, it still vaguely has something to do with music and all the other topics that I care about, like music and mostly sex and um, relationships. Um, but it, as I said, it just vaguely has something to do with that. But it's something that takes up a lot of space in my life right now. So I wanted to talk about it because, hey, it could possibly help somebody out there who might have a similar problem. So today I want to talk about living my best life with chronic illness, which is not a fun topic. Um, but I'll try to make it not super heavy and instead try to... Um, keep it positive and keep it optimistic. So um, I guess first off I should explain what my own experience with chronic illness is um, and then I can talk to you about what I do to keep my health issues in check and how I still try to live my best life. So um, yeah first off what kind of chronic illness do I have uh, experiences with? Um, well, when I was, I, th I think for the longest time, the only chronic illness that I knew was um, mental illness. Because when I was around 15, 16, I first got diagnosed with depression. And it wasn't just a short episode. It actually um, took years to get back to um, a state of mind where depression isn't always present and where I can honestly say right now that I'm not depressed currently, but it took years. So it wasn't just an episode for like a month or two. It was pretty permanent and pretty chronic. Um, it didn't really go away for a long time. And I also have to add, I got diagnosed when I was, I think, 16, but... I'd had the exact same problems and the exact same symptoms for much longer than before that. So maybe I was already depressed at 13 or 14. Um, I think that's pretty likely. Um, so I can't really pinpoint when it started. But what I know is that I had it for years and it didn't get better for years. Um, I also had, um, which I, I got diagnosed with later on, um, social anxiety disorder, I think that's what they called it, or social phobia. Uh, I'm not sure what the right term is, but um, yeah, really intense anxiety around social situations and always feeling like I'm not good enough to be around people and like everything I do is embarrassing and um, yeah. Uh, so I had a big problem with that and I think that started even earlier than my depression. I mean, I got diagnosed with this specific disorder when I was, I think, 19 or 20, I think 20. But I'd had these symptoms since I was basically a child. Um, so when I was a child, people always told me um, that I was just shy and that I should just like get over myself and just talk to people and just... Um, you know, um, <laughs> basically um, not be, stop being so complicated and so shy and just just be normal, basically. That's what people always told me. But later on, I learned that these 
symptoms and that this feeling that I felt inside, like I couldn't, I just couldn't be normal and I couldn't act normal, that that was my social anxiety. Um, so I had that basically my entire life as a child and teenager. So that was also pretty chronic, I would say. It was with me every single day of my life and it really limited what I could do in my life because um, for the longest time I didn't have any professional help. So there was no way I could overcome this anxiety without help. So it drastically limited what I could do in my day-to-day -day life. So that was my mental health struggle that was chronic and that I had mostly as a teenager. That's when it was the most intense. And after that it got better. And right now that's, I wouldn't say it's gone because of course after so many years you have some pretty fucked up thought patterns from your mental illness that of course keep popping up now and then even when you're mostly healthy you know it doesn't just go away like that um it keeps popping up and you keep having to work with it um but right now my mental health issues are below the threshold where you would call it an illness so there are problems or issues but it's not referred to as an illness i don't have a diagnosis right now anymore so i went to see a, psychiatr a psychiatrist and he basically said that um, he would give me no diagnosis at all right now because um, it's just there's just nothing there that would qualify as an illness so that's pretty good right but then um, now i have um, a um, now i have a chronic illness that i've also had for a while that i was diagnosed with that is not mental, it's physical, and that is endometriosis. So I've had really painful period cramps ever since I first got my period when I was, I think, 12 or something. Um, it, I think um, it was just a, a handful of times where I wasn't in excruciating pain when I was in my period. So there were like a couple painless ones, but most ones were so bad I couldn't go to school, I couldn't do anything, I couldn't even get up from my bed because I was in such excruciating pain. It was driving me crazy. I was constantly on painkillers when I, uh, when I, whenever I started my period. So um, it was really terrible and no doctor ever took it seriously. So I never got diagnosed. It never really got um, the attention that it needed. And I was seeing a gynecologist, but she just didn't care about the pain. She, as as many people do, she told me, like, that's just what you have to deal with as a woman and it will go away over time. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> I've had my period for, I think, 10 years now and it never got any better. Even when I was prescribed the pill, um, it still didn't get better. It just got more regular, but it never got better. The pain never got better. And I just couldn't believe, like, I can't accept this anymore, that I um, have these days where I'm in such excruciating pain that I am, like, convinced that I'm losing my mind and that if I have to do this any longer, I'll probably, like, go crazy and probably, like, jump off the roof or something because I'm, I, I have to say, I'm not, like, suicidal right now at all. But when I'm in this excruciating period pain, like the pain is just so bad that I have suicidal thoughts. So that's not acceptable, of course. That's not a quality of life that is acceptable. So um, I went to see a specialist 
although my gynecologist never sent me there. She never gave me this little, like, um, um, it's this little piece of paper. I, I don't know how it works in other countries, but in Germany, your, your doctor has to, like, write you a little piece of paper that says that you are supposed to go to a specialist, but I never got that. I just went to the specialist on my own and hoped that it would work out, and... They checked for endometriosis and they had to do some surgery to really make sure if I have it or not because you can't really see um, endometriosis in a normal checkup, um, in a normal um, exam that you would do at a gynecologist's office. You have to do um, a small surgery to really see it and I got it checked out and they said yes you do have endometriosis you actually have a lot of it so we couldn't even remove it during the surgery and now you have to decide what you do with it and I'm now on medication I'm now taking um, something that's similar to the pill um, it's a different like version of the pill where instead of two different um, hormones there's just one hormone in it and it, I, I also don't take a break from taking this pill so I never get my period again that's like at least in theory that's the plan but it's not really working out right now um I'm still getting bleeding now and then but yeah I'm already going into a lot of detail but that's just so you know that is my chronic illness problem right now my endometriosis um because the illness itself comes with a lot of pain and discomfort and a lot of again limitations to what I can do with my life and even now that I'm taking medication, the medication also has possible side effects. So that could also limit what you can do in your life. Um, and like the side effects like constantly bleeding and not having a normal period, but constantly bleeding. That, of course, also limits what you can do uh, in your life. Like it's not super fun to never know when you'll bleed the next time, like to constantly be scared that you could get like a, a quote-unquote period that isn't really a period and constantly having to think about that like you're not really able to I don't know go to a, a public pool because you might start this weird period again or to not be able to have regular sex because you could just randomly start bleeding again and then the entire bed is full of blood um yeah so that's what I live with right now and as I said, still underlying health, uh, mental health issues that sometimes pop up. So now I'm going to talk about what I do to keep all of this in check and how I still try to live my best life, even with those conditions. So the first thing that I do that I've already briefly mentioned um, to really make sure that I'm living my best life, even with chronic illness is going to specialists and as I said before my gynecologist never told me to see an endometriosis specialist I had to go there myself and I had to gather some information myself about what this could be it was kind of a coincidence I was getting my painkillers my mom was getting me painkillers from the pharmacy and actually the pharmacist told her like, hey, if you have to get your daughter so many painkillers and if she has such terrible pain, she should go to an endometriosis specialist because um, endometriosis doesn't show up in a regular gynecologist exam and uh, you should get that checked out. And that's how I uh, finally decided to see a specialist. 
And I think it's the same thing with mental illness. And it's not just about um, going to therapy. It's also being very, um, I don't know, very particular about what your uh, expectations are and what your preferences are when seeing a therapist. Of course, if your options are very limited, which they usually are, sometimes you have to compromise and sometimes you have to work with a therapist that you don't necessarily are super stoked about but um, I think sometimes it's it's worth it to decide that this therapist isn't for you and maybe you can wait like a couple weeks or a month longer to get uh, to get into therapy with somebody else so when I first had psychotherapy it didn't help at all I, I didn't have, have anything to compare it to, so at that point I didn't know that this therapy wasn't working for me. I just thought, I don't know, this lady, my therapist, she was nice. She was, I don't know, um, she was a nice woman, I guess. She seemed professional. Um, she had all these degrees, of course, that you need to be a therapist. And I just ran with it, you know. I didn't really have the knowledge or the trust in myself to really decide, okay, is this working for me or isn't it? So I did um, all these therapy sessions with her and it didn't really give me any sort of progress in my life and with my mental health. So when um, the therapy sessions were over, I, I wasn't really in a different place than I was when I started. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like suicidal anymore because that just went away with time I wasn't in a crisis anymore but that wasn't because the therapy was working it was just because that's like the natural course of things you usually aren't suicidal for for months on end it goes away and it comes back up again and so on it's like this cycle so yeah um she didn't really help and it feels like a massive waste of time that I kept seeing her when it really wasn't helping but I didn't know any better I was 16 I didn't know how to determine whether a therapist was was right for me or not and um, the second time around when I got therapy um, I think I was 20 um, this therapist I, I just I got really lucky that I um, that this therapist had some free yeah she had some capacities to take in new clients and she was way, way more of a perfect fit for my conditions and for who I am as a person because there were, there were so many small things where I felt like she really understood me and I also liked her methods more because um, I don't know if, if this is the case worldwide but in Germany there's basically two big um, directions that you can take a therapy so it could it could be kind of like psychoanalysis I think that's what it call what it's called and the other one is behavioral therapy so those are the two main um yeah the two main directions that it, that uh psychotherapy could take and as it turns out I'm I really thrive when I'm in behavioral behavioral therapy and not uh, psychoanalysis therapy so yeah, I figured that out about myself and I think it's really worth it to go A, go to specialists if you have some specific concerns, if you have access access to specialists, of course, that has to be given, but 
Um, if you do have the opportunity, you should see specialists and um, you still have to make sure that, especially when it's about mental illness, that this person really is uh, a fit for what you want and how your brain works. Um, so that was... Um, that helped me in both both cases like with the mental illness this second therapy um it got me so far in life and it changed so much about how i see myself and how i see the world and how i process different emotions and how i process different life events it really helped me so there's a big contrast to the first therapy that i had and uh, with the endometriosis of course same thing. Um, as soon as I saw a specialist, I started having appointments with a specialist. Um, there was action being being taken. And of course, I'm not healed from endometriosis because you can't heal it. But at least I'm trying the medication. So I feel like something is happening and something is getting better. And yeah, so that's definitely the first point. Like, take care of yourself. Go to a specialist if you can. And then the second point, it, it's kind of related to the first point. It's that you have to make time for psychotherapy or physiotherapy or whatever you need. Um, even if you feel like your schedule is like packed with stuff. Um, because for me, psychotherapy, that was uh, when, I, when I had therapy, I had to go there at times of the day where... I was super tired from college and from different things that I did throughout the day and it was sometimes hard to make time for it and I didn't have a lot of free time so it can kind of feel like you're giving away your free time when you're going to therapy but that's not the case you're not losing free time you're because you can gain so much from going to therapy if you have a good therapist um, it's like you're investing in yourself it's not like somebody's taking time away from you but that's how it sometimes feels like some somebody or something is taking away your precious free time. And I felt the same way when my endometriosis doctor um, prescribed me physiotherapy because he said there's so much tension in like my lower abdomen region and like just around my my what are what are they called? Uh, the the, you know, the organs that you have as a biological woman, like what are they called? Oh my God, the ovaries and everywhere around that I have a lot of tension. So he um, gave me a prescription for physiotherapy and I hadn't expected that. I hadn't planned to make time for physiotherapy and on the prescription it said that I should go to six sessions and um, it should be one to one, two or three sessions a week. And I was like, shit, I have so much to do. I don't know how, if I can fit this in. So I just waited around and had this prescription in my room and I never used it. And it was almost expired. And then I finally decided like, hey, is this really what I want to do? Like, if I have a lot to do, do I really want my health to be the thing where I... Um, where I, I don't know, eliminate, um, ah, shit, <laughs> I, I have such language problems right now, um, is my health really where I want to save time and, like, eliminate the things that I do to improve my health? Is that really, um, 
the part of my life where I need to save time so desperately that I don't go to physiotherapy. No, health is a priority for me. So I called the physiotherapy office and I managed to get an appointment like the day before my prescription expired. So now I'm in physiotherapy and I'm doing these six sessions. I went to the first one already. It was kind of helpful, like kind of helpful. I, I It wasn't life-changing, but it felt good to go there and to take care of myself and to make time for that, even in stressful times. Because it's not like when you have stressful times, you should eliminate these things that are there to take care of your health. It should be the other way around. If life is more stressful, you need to take even more care of yourself. It's even more important. So that's why I decided to do it. And I would also be kind of stupid not to do it because I live in Germany and there are so many things that health insurance pays for. For example, physiotherapy. I had to pay like 26 euros myself and everything else was covered by the insurance. So I think for people from other countries, they would listen to the story and they're like, are, are you stupid? You want to throw away this um, prescription where you can basically get healthcare for free? Um, like that's such a, such a luck, I don't know, that's, that's such a privileged problem to have. So yeah, <laughs> I felt like I couldn't just let this uh, prescription expire and I went to physiotherapy and I want to urge you, if you're in a sim similar situation, you should too. And then... Um, the third point for me is investing money, time and energy, energy into comfort and pain management. So at first I just wanted to say like investing into comfort and pain management. But that sounds like I'm just talking about money. And it's not necessarily about money because we all have different amounts of money at our disposal. And I'm a college student. I don't have any income. So I understand that that people, including me, don't have tons of money lying around that you can spend on making your life more comfortable and managing your pain. So I also wanted to add investing time and energy because if you don't have the money, maybe you have the time and energy to make something a little bit better for yourself. For example, when I get really bad cramps from my endometriosis, I know that if I heated up a heating pad in the my microwave and I put it on my belly, it will make things better but a lot of the time I'm too lazy or I'm kind of gaslighting myself to believe that my pain really isn't that bad and that I don't need to make this effort and then it gets worse and worse and then I'm kind of mad at myself for not getting the heating pad before so yeah investing that little amount of, of time to put this fucking heating pad in the microwave and um that that's nothing that's like three minutes um but sometimes I'm like too lazy to do it. And that's when I need to remind myself that I should be investing um, the resources that I have into making stuff less traumatizing and less terrible for myself. Um, and I think that also plays into my experience with depression because a big part of depression for me has always been that I feel resistance when taking care of myself, that I kind of stop eating, stop sleeping, stop um, taking showers, brushing my teeth, like 
that has always been a problem for me whenever I get a little bit of depression I realize that I kind of have this tendency to not take care of myself but that's like terrible if you have a physical t condition and because of your mental health condition you're not not taking care of your physical issues like that is a vicious vicious circle if I've ever seen one um yeah so invest what you have in making things less terrible for yourself it is worth it like feeling comfortable instead of being in excruciating pain that is worth so much so yeah definitely take care of yourself people <laughs> and I also need to remind myself of that all the time and then the next point for me is to look for reliable sources to find more information about your conditions and to really be aware that there are so many like scam artists out there and so many people who want to tell you absolute bullshit about your conditions for example um I really realized how dangerous it is out there on the internet when you try to research something I have a little I have a little um funny slash horrible story about this um because there's this field of research in like endometriosis treatment that explores how you can um, make your endometriosis better or even make it go away by changing your diet and there are some real like there's some research that points to the fact that um, diet could really play a huge role but it isn't confirmed yet it isn't fully confirmed it's not something that doctors um, really recommend to you yet um, and it's still not 100% like safe and proven that it helps. But it's something that you could try, right? So I was on the internet and trying to look up this endo diet. It's called the endo diet. Um, and then I came across this video of this woman saying that her endometriosis completely went away. So she had surgery. They were like looking at... Uh, her, her organs and they saw that she had a lot of endometriosis and then the next time they checked it was suddenly all gone and this is something that has never really been the fact it hasn't been true before it has never really happened before doctors hadn't seen it before so they asked her what she did and then she was like well the reason that this happened is because I eat a, a, a whole foods plant-based diet and that's when I uh, that's when I realized like wow this I don't know what this woman thinks she's doing but that is so toxic and I'm t going to tell you why it's not because I'm against a whole foods plant-based diet it's because I have been plant-based <laughs> for like four fucking years so she's telling me that the only way to ever get rid of my endometriosis is by going vegan when I've been vegan for four years like fuck you fuck you for trying to sell people veganism by using their endometriosis against them like fuck you for doing that like oh my god <laughs> that made me so angry because I'm obviously vegan for other reasons it's not to get rid of my endometriosis because it really doesn't work like my endometriosis hasn't gotten better like I of course I have no comparison of course it's possible that if I kept eating meat and dairy maybe my endometriosis would be even worse right now that is possible but it's also possible that it wouldn't make any difference so <laughs> yeah I just got really mad that this person is trying to use um, endometriosis to push 
veganism on people because I don't think that's the right reason to go vegan. Because as you can see from me, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not like this guaranteed miracle healing method. But yeah, there's a lot of bullshit out there. <laughs> a lot of bullshit. And um, if you, for example, want to spend money on um, making your condition better, especially then I think you need to look for reliable sources because there are so many people trying to sell you like snake oil. I think that's what it's called, right? <laughs> like some miracle thing that's supposed to cure everything. Snake oil. I think that's that's what it's called. I need to Google it. Um Because English is not my first language. <laughs> snake oil. Yes, that's what I meant. Snake oil is exactly what I meant. Yeah, they try to sell you bullshit, basically. And they don't have any science to back it up. So if you have a limited amount of money to spend or a limited amount of um, yeah, resources, especially then you need to... I think you really need to listen to like scientists and maybe not people who claim that, I don't know, dancing in the moonlight will cure your period problems. I've heard the craziest shit. I've heard the craziest, most insane stuff about what to do about endometriosis. Like some stuff like you need to drink like uh, crystal water with crystals that were charged in the moonlight and you need to live according to your cycle so different moon phases are supposed to be related to your cycle phases which makes zero sense because my cycle is like 35 days long and the moon cycle is obviously way shorter and I've never been like in tune with the moon cycle with my own period cycle like that that just it might make sense for a very limited limited amount of people but there's no research and like As soon as somebody, especially in this alternative healing realm, if somebody's trying to tell me that modern medicine is like scamming me and being is like bad for me, but then they try to sell me like five hundred dollar crystals or something, that's when I can basically just like roll my eyes and laugh and um, walk away. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think of course if you're desperate and you have. Um, a terrible condition of course you want to believe somebody who tells you that there's this miracle method to make everything better but please listen to research and listen to scientists um, please don't let people scam you out of your hard-earned money um, yeah that's just my my ideas about that and of course if the alternative methods really help you like actually help you and actually alleviate your symptoms good for you like keep doing whatever you're doing um i can't say anything about that if for you personally if you are like the exception to the rule and it helps you although it is not uh, backed up by science i guess you do you especially if you have a lot of money lying around and it doesn't hurt you to spend a lot of money on crystals and stuff do it but uh it's not for me and it's not i don't think it's for people who don't have a lot of money um and then What's also kind of related to, related to this point is to really think about whose advice you want to listen to. I have this rule of thumb. Like, I immediately, like, kind of stop listening when somebody gives me unsolicited advice. Like, I'm not talking about doctors. Obviously, doctors can give me um, unsolicited advice. That's okay. They are the specialists. But I'm talking about in your personal social circle. 
Like, everybody has an opinion, usually. <laughs> Everybody's suddenly a doctor. Everybody's suddenly a dietitian. Everybody is suddenly a therapist or something. Um, and if you want to navigate that, my rule of thumb is um, if somebody gives me unsolicited advice that I never asked to hear, I don't really listen. And then also, I do listen to people um, who, like, preferably, I listen to people who either have, like, this, the same or a similar journey, so they had the same problem and they overcame it. That's what I find really interesting. How did this person do it? How did they um, overcome this? That's what I find really valuable. And then the other reason why I would really listen to somebody's advice is if they're just professionally, that's their area of expertise. So, of course, if somebody in my social circle is a doctor and they can give me some, like, insider information about um, about treatment uh, options that are maybe brand new and they can tell me about the new research, then of course I will listen to them and I'm really interested to hear what they have to say. But some random uncle or something uh, at a Christmas party uh, with a family who suddenly becomes like a dietitian and tells you how you should eat and uh, or, or something else, right? J don't listen to these people. Just let it go, <laughs> go in one ear and out the other. Or if you are in a position to really draw a hard line you can also tell them to their face like sorry but I am not interested in your advice I'm a grown-up person I can take care of my own stuff and I would rather listen to doctors and to people who um, survived the same issue like I don't know it depends on your situation whether you can actually be that blunt with your boundary or whether you just have to like sit there and nod and actually just like not listen <laughs> so whatever fits your situation the best just do one of those when people give you especially unsolicited advice um and when people don't know what the fuck they're talking about because it gets really confusing you don't know who to turn to everybody thinks they're an expert it's in my opinion bullshit that everybody's an expert at everything and everybody can have like this of course everybody can have an opinion like there's freedom of thought you can think whatever you want you can have an opinion however you want but there's a very big difference between being able and allowed to have an opinion and having an informed expert opinion there's a big difference so yeah, sorry if I don't value your opinion if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. If you just googled the thing that I talk about once and now you think you know more than me and you can give me advice, fuck you. Um, and a lot of times, I do have to add this, a lot of times it comes from a good place, so I wouldn't necessarily say fuck you to everybody who does this. A lot of times it comes from a good place, but it's still not helpful. It's still just confusing and it's people giving you like this half-baked half-assed information that they never really checked or double-checked um, from weird sources on the internet. Um, a lot of the time it's not helpful. So yeah, um, to the people who, who give this terrible advice because they just want to feel important and they want to feel like an expert when they really aren't, fuck you. And to those who give this advice from a good place, from trying to help, 
thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> and I guess another part of living with chronic illness for me is taking care of the basics, which I'm really bad at and I'm always trying to work on it, which is for me like a four-part thing. It's sleep, like getting regular sleep, getting enough sleep, getting good quality sleep, <laughs> and then nutrition, um, like trying not to eat as much processed food, trying not to drink a lot of soda, like just these basic things, trying not to overeat or undereat, trying to have regular meals. Um, yeah, that's that's what I mean by that. And then movement, it doesn't have to be like this really intense workout. It could be taking a walk, it could be um, riding your bike, it could be a lot of things. Uh, but trying to move, trying to never just spend it an, an entire day sitting or lying around. Um, except if you're ill, if you're like, <laughs> if you're like really ill at the moment and you can't get up from your bed, then of course that's, that's okay. But as soon as you get better, try to move your body. And I'm also trying to get better at that because I used to work out a lot and then I had my surgery because of endometriosis and then the scars didn't really heal correctly like the the part where I got stitches it got infected and it didn't really heal and now it's kind of healed so now I can start working out again and I'm really looking forward to it but it's kind of hard to get back into it but um, in my opinion movement is like a big part of your overall, overall health that can help you with a lot of conditions um, and then the fourth pillar of like the basic health requirements for me is mental clarity. So not overwhelming yourself with like this overload of information and um, screens and noise and I don't know, just doing something for your mental clarity. It could be meditation, it could be writing stuff down, right? Instead of constantly being stressed out and trying to remember stuff, just write it down, just get a notebook and write it down. Having a calendar instead of having my appointments scattered everywhere. Um, little things like that, that give me mental clarity. Writing to-do lists. Um, for me, for example, cleaning and organizing my room is also part of my mental clarity self-care because um, I can't really think clearly when everything is just super messy around me. Yeah, and then I think the final point that I want to end this episode with and this advice session with is um, to find through all this pain and all this suffering to find a silver lining. Like how and why is this shit show of your life still worth living? And that sounds kind of dark. And I know I've mentioned suicidal tendencies before in this episode. Uh, it's, it gets kind of dark really quick, but that's how it is when you have chronic illness like shit gets really dark <laughs> um and i want you to really ask yourself the question how and why is this shit show still worth living and i want you to really think about why and really have this thing the silver lining of your life in the back of your head um pretty much all the time and for me the silver lining is um the fact that i can have so many wonderful experiences with people, with friends and dating and like so many wonderful people are out there that I, um, that I still will meet at some point in my life or that I've already met and that I, um, 
want to keep seeing and, and hanging out with. So that's what makes it all worth it. And then also some moments where my um, conditions aren't really that present, where I'm not mentally like super fucked up and where my pain from my endometriosis isn't really strong, I can have some really wonderful experiences and that's awesome. Um, and also for me, a big part of it is what I do for a job. So on the one hand, social work kind of really gives me purpose. So that's that's a part of it, I think. I think the reason why I wanted to get like a meaningful career um, that helps people and that kind of makes the world a better place, the reason I really started even thinking about it in this way is because I've been in so much pain pretty much my entire life because I really had to answer this question, how is this still worth living? And it has been um, in part because I found this meaningful career. And the other part of my potential career that I could have is music. So I really want to make music. I want to make music that I'm proud of and that makes my heart happy. And that gives gives people this do you know like this this eargasm feeling <laughs> when music production or like the melody is like so incredibly good at one point in the song that it's like it's like an orgasm but like in your brain from hearing this music like for that feeling that's what I live for um, and that's what what I want to give people with my music at some point so yeah I found my silver lining and I know there's one for you too I know that the answer to this question how is this still with living shouldn't be no it isn't it can't be no it isn't for any of you um there's always something and i hope you find it and of course it's not my place to tell you how to answer this question or how not to answer it but in my opinion and i've been suicidal before there's always an answer to this that is something else than no <laughs> so yeah i'll leave you with that this episode is really long and i'm going to post it now and I hope that it helps somebody out there or that somebody can relate or that somebody has learned something new from this. Uh, thank you for listening and goodbye.